Hello, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the August 14th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll be looking at numbers 1810 through 1832 of the Catechism. So again, a little bit of patience. We've had a few very short days recently, so today we have a slightly longer uh, section of the Catechism. But again, it's very beautiful and very helpful for us. The Virtues and Grace, 1810. Human virtues acquired by education, by deliberate acts, and by a perseverance ever renewed in repeated efforts are purified and elevated by divine grace. With God's help they forge character and give facility in the practice of the good. The virtuous man is happy to practice them. 1811. It is not easy for man, wounded by sin, to maintain moral balance. Christ's gift of salvation offers us the grace necessary to persevere in the pursuit of the virtues. Everyone should always ask for this grace of light and strength, frequent, frequent the sacraments, cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and follow his calls to love what is good and shun evil. 2. The Theological Virtues, 1812. The human virtues are rooted in the theological virtues, which adapt man's faculties for participation in the divine nature, for the theological virtues relate directly to God. They dispose Christians to live in a relationship with the Holy Trinity. They have the one and triune God for their origin, motive and object. 1813. The theological virtues are the foundation of Christian moral activity. They animate it and give it special character. They inform and give life to all the moral virtues. They are infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as his children and of meriting eternal life. They are the pledge of the presence and action of the Holy Spirit in the faculties of the human being. They are the three, there, there are three theological virtues, faith, hope and charity. Faith, 1814. It is the, faith is the theological virtue by which we believe in God and believe all that he has said and revealed to us and that the Holy Church proposes for our belief because he is truth itself. By faith, man commits, freely commits his entire self to God. For this reason, the believer seeks to know, know and do God's will. The righteous shall live by faith. Living faith works through charity. 1815. The gift of faith remains in one who has not sinned against it. But faith apart from works is dead. When it is deprived of hope and love, faith does not fully unite the believer to Christ and does not make him a living member of his body. 1816. The disciple of Christ must not only keep the faith and live on it, but also profess it, confidently bear witness to it and spread it. All, however, must be prepared to confess Christ before men and follow him along the way of the cross, amidst the persecutions which the church never seek, lacks. Service of and witness to the faith are necessary for salvation. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Hope, 1817. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in God's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The Holy Spirit he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. 
so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in the hope of eternal life. 1818. The virtue of hope responds to the aspiration to happiness which God has placed in the heart of every man. It takes up the hopes that inspire men's activities and purifies them so as to order them to the kingdom of heaven. It keeps man from discouragement. It sustains him during times of abandonment. It opens up his heart in expectation of eternal beatitude. Buoyed up by hope, he is preserved from selfishness and led to the happiness that flows from charity. 1819. Christian hope takes up and fulfills the hope of the chosen people, which has its origin and model in the hope of Abraham, who was blessed abundantly by the promises of God, fulfilled in Isaac, and who was purified by the test of the sacrifice, hoping against hope he believed, and thus became the father of many nations. 1820. Christian hope unfolds from the beginning of Jesus' preaching in the proclamation of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes raise our hope towards heaven as the new promised land. They trace the path that leads through the trials that await the disciple of Jesus. But through the merits of Jesus Christ and of his passion, God keeps us in the hope that does not disappoint. Hope is the sure and steadfast anchor of the soul that enters where Jesus has gone as our forerunner on our behalf. Hope is also a weapon that protects us in the struggle of salvation. Let us put on the breastplate of faith and charity and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. It affords us joy even under trial. Rejoice in your hope. Be prudent and be patient in tribulation. Hope is expressed and nourished in prayer, especially in the Our Father, the summary of everything that we hope leads to desire. 1821. We can therefore hope in the glory of heaven promised by God to those who love him and to his will. In every circumstance, each one of us should hope with the grace of God to persevere to the end and to obtain the joy of heaven as God's eternal reward for the good works accomplished with the grace of Christ. In hope, the church prays for all men to be saved. She longs to be united with Christ, her bridegroom, in the glory of heaven. Hope, O my soul, hope. You know neither the day nor the hour. Watch carefully, for everything passes quickly, even though your impatience makes doubtful what is certain and turns a very short time into a very long one. Dream that the more you struggle, the more you prove the love that you bear for your God, and the more you rejoice one day with your beloved in the happiness and rapture that will never end. Charity, 1822. Charity is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things, for his own sake and our neighbour as ourself for the love of God. 1823. Jesus made charity the new commandment by loving his own to the end. He manifests the Father's love which he receives. By loving one another, the disciples imitate the love of Jesus which they themselves receive. Whence Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And again, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 1824. Fruit of the Spirit and fullness of the law, charity keeps the commandments of God and of his his Christ. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 1825. Christ died out of love for us while we were still enemies. The Lord asks us to love as he does, even our enemies, and to make ourselves the neighbour of those furthest away, and to love children and the poor as Christ himself. The Apostle Paul, 
has given an incomparable depiction of charity. Charity is patient and kind. Charity is not jealous or boastful, is not arrogant or rude. Charity does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Charity bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 1826. If I have not charity, says the Apostle, I am nothing. Whatever my privilege, service, or even virtue. If I have not charity, I gain nothing. Charity is superior to all the virtues. It is the first of the theological virtues. So faith, hope, and charity abide these three. But the greatest of these is charity. 1827. The practice of all the virtues is animated and inspired by charity, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It is the form of the virtues. It articulates and orders them among themselves. It is the source and the goal of their Christian practice. Charity upholds and purifies our human ability to love and raises it to supernatural perfection of divine love. 1828. The practice of the moral life animated by charity gives to the Christian the spiritual freedom of the children of God. He no longer stands before God as a slave in servile fear or as a mercenary looking for wages, but as a son responding to the love of him who first loved us. If we turn away from evil out of fear of punishment, we are in the position of slaves. If we pursue the enticements of wages, we resemble mercenaries. Finally, if we obey for the sake of good itself and out of love for him who commands, we are in the position of children. 1829. The fruits of charity are joy, peace and mercy. Charity demands beneficence and fraternal correction. It is benevolent, it fosters reciprocity and remains disinterested and generous. It is friendship and communion. Love is itself the fulfilment of all our works. It is the goal. That is why we run, we run toward it. And once we reach it, in it we shall find rest. 3. The Gifts and the Fruits of the Holy Spirit 1830 The moral life of Christians is sustained by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are permanent dispositions which make man docile in following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. 1831 The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety and fear of the Lord. They belong in their fullness to Christ, Son of David. They complete and perfect the virtues of those who receive them. They make the faithful docile in receiving and readily obeying divine inspirations. Let your good spirit lead me on a level path. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. 1832. The fruits of the Spirit are perfections of the whole, that the Holy Spirit forms in us as the first fruits of eternal glory. The Christian tradition lists 12 of them. Charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, tr generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control and chastity. Very good. This longer session section today on the theological virtues. That the theological virtues are virtues that come from God to the Christian. If the carnal virtues are shared by all people. These ones are ones that are specific. You know, they dispose Christians to live in a relationship with the Holy Trinity. That they are given by God. That they are special gifts. They are infused by God into the souls of the faithful. To make them capable of acting as his children. 
and of meriting eternal life. So again, we have to merit eternal life. We have to deserve eternal life. But the deserving of eternal life is given to us if we participate, if we accept, if we take God up on his offer, if we receive what he is giving to us, what he's infusing in us, infusing in us, especially in baptism, in the other sacraments, through listening to his word, that this is infused in us. And what are these what are these theological virtues? They're theological because they depend on God. Theos is God, theological. It's not that they're more complicated, but that they're ones that depend on God. And they're faith, hope and charity. Charity is love. I know sometimes here it's used charity a lot, but really the word we use is love. So faith, hope and love. Faith, hope and charity are the most important ones. And here just in parenthesis to remind you that that Pope Benedict XVI, when he was Pope, wrote encyclicals on these virtues of all the things that he saw necessary in the church from his privileged position as the as, as the Supreme Pontiff, as the Pope. The thing that he saw that needed most addressing was not so much doctrine, although definitely it did, but the thing that he dedicated his papacy to from the point of view of magisterium, of teaching, was these were these three uh, virtues that his first encyclical, um, Deus Caritas Est, God is love, was dedicated to the virtue of love, the virtue of charity. Then the second one um, uh, was uh, Spe Salvi, saved in hope, on hope, the whole virtue of hope. Then he had a, a, another one on the side on moral, on um, social doctrine, uh, which was um, also on charity, uh, but it's not, in my opinion, it's not as important as the others. It's not as fundamental as the others. It's more an application of Deus Caritas Est. But then his last encyclical that he didn't publish himself, but was published a few days after Pope Francis was elected, was written by Pope Benedict, and Francis says it on the first page of it, but was promulgated, signed by Francis, and it is um, Lumen Fide, the light of faith. So these three aspects of the theological virtues were what uh, Pope, um, Pope Benedict saw as what the Church needs most to concentrate on today, what we need most to do, the biggest area that needs work. And it's true, if we can have love, Everything else will be overcome. Every other prom- problem will disappear, will pale into insignificance if we have love, if we have this Christian love, not just love as in the, the Beatles, all you need is love, not that sort of love, but the divine love of Christ. If this is present, nothing else matters. Everything else will take care of itself. And this is why we are called to this. And again, to invite you if you uh, today I'm not going to talk much more because we're uh, over our time but to invite you if you have time yourselves or you want to read more to look at those three encyclicals of Pope Benedict that go get into this in much deeper uh, much more detail so we finish with the in brief section 1833 virtue is a habitual and firm disposition to do good 1834 the human virtues are stable dispositions of the intellect and the will that govern our acts, order our passions, and guide our conduct in accordance with reason and faith. They can be grouped around the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. 1835. 
Prudence disposes the practical reason to discern in every circumstance our true good and to choose the right means for achieving it. 1836. Justice consists in the firm and constant will to give God and your neighbour their due. 1837. Fortitude ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in the pursuit of the good. 1838. Temperance moderates the attraction of the pleasures of the senses and provides balance in their use of the created goods. 1839. The moral virtues grow through education, deliberate acts and perseverance and struggle. Divine grace purifies and elevates them. 1840. The theological virtues dispose, dispose Christians to live in a relationship with the Holy Trinity. They have God for their origin, their motive and their object. God known by faith. God hoped in and loved for his own sake. 1841. There are three theological virtues, faith, hope and charity. They inform all the moral virtues and give life to them. 1842. By faith we believe in God and believe all that he has revealed to us and that the Holy Church proposes for our belief. 1843. By hope we desire and with steadfast trust await from God eternal life and the graces to merit it. 1844. By charity, we love God above all things and our neighbour as ourselves. For love of God, charity, the form of all the virtues, binds everything together in perfect harmony. 1845. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit bestowed upon Christians are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety and fear of the Lord. Okay, very good. So tomorrow we'll continue and tomorrow we'll be looking at numbers 1846 through 1845. 51. God bless.